One of the things that I found out that was sort of amazing about your history, you, you briefly mentioned it right before we started, you were a Marxist at one time in your life. Most people will find this hard to believe, but it is true. But it's not that unusual. Uh, most of the leading conservative thinkers of our ta time uh, did not start off as conservative. You had a couple like uh, Bill Buckley and uh, George Will. But I mean, Milton Friedman was, was, a, was a liberal and a Keynesian. Uh, Hayek was a socialist. Ronald Reagan was so far left, at one point the FBI was following him. So then what was your wake up to what was wrong with that line of thinking? Uh, facts. We could probably end the interview right there. Yeah. Facts, yeah, there you I'm, go. I'm, yeah. people i'm dave rubin this is the rubin report it's november 13th 2023 we are on rumble we are still on youtube we are on locals tap subscribe click the notification bell whatever it is you do do it if you have not if you'd like to join us for a post-game show we'll be at rubinreport.locals.com and as you guys know we have launched our second show people of the internet every monday through thursday at 1 p.m Eastern, and if you want to submit questions, because it's a call-in show where I hear from you, you hear from me, it's a little back and forth, a little more integrated, uh, you can join us. We're only taking questions from Locals members. I don't know if you know this, but there's some crazy people on the internet. I don't really want to hear from them. We want to hear from our Locals members, so rubenreport.locals.com. The theme on this Monday is that the woke mind virus is basically communism, Marxism, socialism, collectivism rebranded, right? It's taken all the collectivist ideas of the past, it's added a dash of newfound racism and it's added some weird gender stuff. And it has, to its credit, uh, destroyed so much of what Western liberal societies are supposed to stand for, which is, you know, the individual, limited government, kind of living life as you see fit, kind of that good stuff. That was the dream of humanity for thousands and thousands of years, something that the United States of America did better than any country in the history of the world, and that seems to be kind of flitting away right in front of our eyes. Uh, so we're gonna look at uh, what these communist, Marxist, wokester, Hamas-supporting whack jobs uh, have wrought across America and across Europe and uh, we're gonna try to give you some solutions because I actually do think there is a way to fight back. Uh, before we get to that, let me talk to you guys about my Patriot Supply. Guys, it's clear the unthinkable is here. Our most trusted institutions now deceive us every single day. Something is clearly wrong and time is short to become uh, more self-reliant and secure for the future of your family. Act today with My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is the country's largest preparedness company and they're more than equipped to stock your shelves. Their best-selling three-month emergency food kit provides delicious breakfasts, breakfasts, lunches, and dinners that last up to 25 years in storage. These kits provide over 2,000 calories every day and are simple to prepare. Just add water and heat, then eat. Make sure every member of your family has a three-month food kit for My Patriot Supply. Go now to my special website, preparewithrubin.com. Order by 3 p.m. and your food kits ship fast on the same day with free shipping. 
It's best to have emergency food and not need it than to need it and not have it. That's preparewithruben.com, preparewithruben.com. And now back to me. So yes, uh, the silver lining of the last five weeks of abject insanity and, and the barbarism, not only that took place in Israel, but the, that we're seeing really across every Western city, it, it, it's so freaking profoundly evil. We all know that. Well, you watching this know that, let's put it that way. Uh, but there is a silver lining, and the silver lining is that some people are starting to wake up, putting babies in ovens and raping women in front of their husbands and all of that stuff actually pushed a certain set of people to the limit, and, and maybe they are coming around. So I want to start today's show uh, with Elon Musk. He was on Lex Friedman's podcast. And you know, Elon over the last couple of years uh, has been one of the people that very publicly, kind of like me years ago and many people before me, Ronald Reagan, for example, and Milton Friedman and many others, uh, was a lefty at one point of, in his life, a liberal, whatever you want to call it, and then started waking up and started seeing what was actually going on. And Elon has done that very publicly. Uh, and then of course he bought Twitter, which allowed us to discuss that stuff publicly without the threat of censorship, at least not the way the government was censoring us beforehand on Twitter. Uh, and he's been very outspoken about all this. So here's Elon talking about the woke mind virus on Lex Friedman. Over the past year or so, since, since purchasing X, you've become more political. Is there a part of you that regrets that? Have I? In this battle to um, sort of counterweigh the, the woke that comes from Yeah, I guess San if, you, if you consider fighting the, the woke mind virus, which I consider to be a civilizational threat, to be political, then yes. So basically going into the the battle, the battleground of politics. I mean, is there a part of you that regrets yes, that? Yes, I don't know if this is necessarily sort of one candidate or another candidate, but it's, um, I'm generally against things that are anti-meritocratic uh, or where there's an attempt to suppress discussion, um, where ev even, discussing a topic is, uh, you know, not allowed. Um, the woke mind virus is communism rebranded. Woke mind virus is communist, communism rebranded. Now, the reason I wanted to start with that clip is because it's interesting, having met Elon a couple of times, and even in the subtext of that clip right there, he's not particularly political. He has said that in his life, he when he voted, he usually voted for Democrats. He's voted, I think, for one Republican ever. It was for the uh, Myra Flores down in Texas since he's moved down to Austin because he, like many others, including Joe Rogan, uh, fled California for the greener pastures of Texas. And he was concerned about the Ill illegal immigration situation down there. Uh, but he's not a particularly political person. He doesn't, I, well, he certainly doesn't consider himself a Democrat anymore, but he definitely doesn't consider himself a Republican. He's tried to open up the conversation for people. And what he is concerned about is the destruction of meritocracy. He's concerned that people who work hard, who have a certain skill, who want to accomplish something and build things that they will not be able to because what have we traded meritocracy in for? What have we traded the idea of go out and get yours? We've traded it in for DEI, right? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. That we will rejigger the system so that everyone will end up in the same spot, which is deeply, deeply anti-American. But it is the set of ideas that the Democrats and the corporate media and virtually all of our industries and institutions have been based on. 
right? Even when they were rolling out COVID vaccines, remember they wanted equity in COVID vaccines so more black people would get COVID vaccines, which in retrospect, maybe not the best idea if you cared about black people. But anyway, this idea of removing, you work hard, you have skills, go get yours. Replacing that with, we will change things around artificially so that we'll all end up in the same spot. It's deeply anti-American, but it's deeply embedded in all of our power structures right now. So now I wanna show you a video from the last couple of days. This is Vice President, Lord help us, Kamala Harris, uh, talking about DEI and the economy. We are not afraid to discuss diversity and equity and inclusion, understanding that that is part of how we will create a stronger economy and a stronger nation. Look at her with so many words. No, 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 it will not do any of those things. It's woke communism, what you are trying to usher in, just as Elon Musk is pointing out, diversity. Well, diversity in and of itself, the idea that you might live in a community with some black people and some Asian people and some white people and some Jews and some Muslims, okay, that's just fine, but it's not good in and of itself if all of these people have competing interests and some are born to hate others, that would be a problem, right? Would you want a diverse community of say Nazis and communists and socialists? That might not really be great. And what they really don't want more than anything else is diversity of thought. When she talks about diversity, meaning you will all believe what we believe. That's not really diversity. Equity, of course, is very different than equality. Equity is that we will all end up in the same place. That's, the, that's like the most basic communist idea ever. Of course, what they don't tell you is that the elites will live up here. They'll be super rich, right? The oligarchs of Russia, the elite class of China in communist places, they will all live up here you guys will all have, well, pretty much nothing, but you'll be able to survive-ish as long as you don't talk bad about us. And inclusion, the, the idea of inclusion. Well, I guess it sort of sounds good, but do you want to include everyone into everything that you do? When you have a dinner party at your house, do you invite everyone and just leave your door open and say everyone is welcome to come here? Or should we be, be discerning in who is actually included when we're talking about inclusion? I think you know the answer. Uh, but here's a bit more from Kamala Harris on equity over equality. And just remember, this is the most deeply anti-American, anti-capitalism, anti, uh, our founding documents and the principles of this country idea you could possibly have go. To that extent, yes, we do talk about equity. We actually believe it is a good principle, in spite what some so-called leaders might try to suggest. We are proud of the fact that equity is one of our guiding principles. Proud of the fact that we understand equality is important, but not everybody starts out on the same base. So it sounds like it might be right, everyone gets an equal share and then they should compete and the best thing will win, but that assumes everyone starts out on the same base. Equity takes into account that that may not be the case. She's evil. It's, it, you know what? I don't wanna go full on evil, it's a Monday. It's Monday morning, I'm not gonna, she's just dumb. Like, she's just dumb. I actually believe she says that thinking it means something. There are people that are more evil. I would say Barack Obama, let's say, is more evil. There are definitely more, you know, the Hamas caucus types are more evil. I actually think she believes what she's saying as if it's good, which not that that, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, but yes, it is true that equality, which is what we have here in America, you can't have laws that discriminate against any particular person because based on immutable characteristics or religion or that sort of thing. Uh, yes, everyone does start off at different things. Some people are born really rich 
and they screw it up. They get hooked on drugs, they waste the money, they blow family fortunes. Some people come from nothing and they become billionaires and we love those stories. It is literally, literally impossible to have everyone start at the same place unless you kill an awful lot of people. And then whoever you have left, you better start making sure they don't think for themselves because then they might start wanting to do something that's more in their own interest and their family's interest and their local community's interest. So it is deeply dangerous. And yet we have let this in. The day before the election that brought us the elderly man pretending to be president and that dullard right there, she posted, Kamala Harris posted a cartoon on her Twitter feed talking about how the future of America should be equity, not equality. She literally told us communism is what we believe in. And Biden is just the vessel ushering it in. And she, again, I think she actually believes what she's saying, not in a malicious way. Then there are the actual uh, malicious people um, the opposite guys of woke communism, the idea that Elon is worried about, the, the very notion that uh, Kamala Harris is pushing there, is a meritocratic nationalism, right? The idea that you have a country, it has some culture, it has, say, borders, it's based on liberty, liberty and individual rights. None of these things are that fancy, by the way. These are the things that we have had. Patriotism could be a part of it, right? Uh, working hard and getting ahead, keeping more of what you earn. These are like basic, simple things that we all know are better. They all, we all know are the, the, the keys to unlocking the life that you wanna live, except we are now governed by a set of people that really wanna push something uh, much more dangerous on us. Um, so let's shift a little bit because one of the things that they have been trying desperately to do is scare us from all of the people who've been a little more into freedom. And for my criticisms of Donald Trump over the last couple of months, he is certainly way more into freedom than any of these lefty Democrats. So what do they have to do? Well, they have to scare the hell out of you when it comes to Donald Trump. He's a racist, he's a white supremacist, the Russians installed him, you know the drill, but it's still continuing right now. So here's a video from the televised mental institution known as MSNBC. It's Jen Psaki, that's right, uh, with Representative Jamie Raskin. And they are very concerned if Donald Trump becomes president again because he might start doing scary stuff. Let's freak the people out, go. You have thought a lot about Donald Trump and you have studied him a lot. You've uh, been so involved in holding him accountable. When he said this week, if they're beating me, go down and indict them. And some of the uh, pronouncements he's made over the weekend, I've heard that as kind of his authoritarian impulses getting worse. How do you hear them? Well, the, the role of the government in his view is to advance his political fortunes and destroy his political enemies. So what would a second term look like? It would look a lot like Vladimir Putin in Russia. It would look a lot like Viktor Orban in Hungary, illiberal democracy, meaning democracy without rights or liberties or respect for the uh, due process system, the rule of law. Monday, I just have to keep reminding myself it's Monday. Um, okay, everything Raskin just said there is idiotic and, and the Democrats and, and Biden have far more to do with authoritarianism you remember mandates, you remember locking people in their houses, remember all that stuff, you're gonna be forced to be jabbed or you can't have a job, we're gonna fire you, all that kind of stuff. Uh, remember when they were sicking the FBI on parents who wanted 
to know if their children were being misgendered at schools. Yeah, that was the Democrats. Uh, also, they're very concerned about this Viktor Orban in Hungary. We were in Hungary. Here I am with Viktor Orban, very scary man. Uh, yes, he is the prime minister of Hungary. And I spent about a half hour with him. That's at the prime minister's office. That's the Danube River behind us. It was absolutely glorious, beautiful day there. And I spent a half hour with this guy. And you know what he talked about? I love my country. I don't know what accent that was, but that's basically what he said repeatedly. I love my country. Hungary is for Hungarians. We don't want all the immigrants here. What is that accent? That's more, I'm doing a little Russian. That's like one of the bad guys in Air Force One with Harrison Ford. You get it. He just cared about his people and his country. And by the way, the streets were clean. The people were pleasant. Uh, there's about 100,000 Jews that still live in Hungary, I think in Budapest itself, and they are living peacefully and prosperously, uh, which is a far cry from what's happening right now to the Jews of London and in some of the other places in Europe. Here's a little video of what's going on in Budapest. This is the place that Jamie Raskin and Jen Psaki are very afraid of. All right, so this might feel a little heavy-handed, what I'm doing today, but I, I think it's really, really important right now, and it's getting increasingly important, especially when I get to the second half of the show, to understand that if, if Western societies are gonna continue, that we are going to have to start defending ourselves. So when they tell you that Viktor Orban is evil because he doesn't want his country invaded, is it that he's evil or that he cares about the people of Hungary, when they tell you that the president of Poland is now evil because he doesn't want uh, massive migration, is it, again, because he's racist or he cares about Polish people? And then when you contrast that to what has happened in, say, Germany and France and England, like, did those people who let in millions of people who didn't care about their culture, didn't care about their norms, didn't care about their free speech or their history of their country, were they non, it was, it was so great that they were non-racist that they let all these people in to destroy their societies? Does that make them better somehow? So when they go after the people that are actually trying to somehow roughly at least talk about what the actual issues are of the day, Know that it's the people on MSNBC and New York Times and Washington Post that are the bad guys here. Let's continue with Jen Psaki because now she's warning us what evil Donald Trump might do if he gets that second term. And yet, the hand-wringing and cocktail party speculation about an alternative to Joe Biden is continuing, will continue. Guess what? Joe Biden isn't perfect. No candidate is, by the way. But we have to understand what the alternative is here. If elected to a second term, Donald Trump would prosecute anyone he deems an enemy, unleash troops on protesters, and essentially unravel the rule of law as we know it. And this time, he plans to line his administration with people who will actually help him do it. But sure, Joe Biden is three years older and occasionally trips over things. Look, there's a lot to be concerned about right now when it comes to a second Trump term. The speeches are getting much more disturbing and much more unhinged, and we should all hear it that way. By the way, Again, you guys know I've been critical of Trump. I'm not supporting Trump right now. I think there's a much better choice on the Republican side in Ron DeSantis. I think that's fairly obvious, and I think a lot of people are gonna be shocked 
in Iowa, but this endless, this hand-wringing, this fear-mongering, this craziness from, by the way, a woman who is now thought of as a journalist on MSNBC who worked for Joe Biden, right? She was the press secretary for Joe Biden, and now she's analyzing the news on MSNBC. Like, the whole thing is just an absolute farce. But what they fear, actually, is not that Donald Trump is going to jail his political opponents, which is much more in line with what they would like to do. And it's not that he's going to destroy the other political party or just whatever the craziness of the day is with these people. It's not any of that, right? What it really is, is that he or actually any Republican might start doing some things that are a little more pro-America. And these people are not interested in America. So now I wanna show you a clip from uh, Real Time with Bill Maher on Friday night. Uh, Jordan Peterson, have you heard of this guy? He was on Real Time. They did a whole bunch on gender. And then they got into the Middle East and they got into Trump and what's going on with the Democrats and, and a bunch more. Jordan, Jordan was just spectacular. I highly recommend you watch the, the full panel on that. It's interesting because Jordan really, uh, he makes Bill sort of better because you can see a lot of times where Bill sort of defaults back into his kind of like lefty liberal posturing and Jordan kind of pushes him to rise up a little bit more. Uh, but they got into it about Israel and what's going on and how the Democrats have gone off the deep end. And Jordan related that back to, well, maybe it has a little something to do with their unhinged hatred of Trump and the things that he actually accomplished. I think you can lay a fair bit of what happened in Israel on Biden's plate. Because I, I can explain that. I guess I should. <laughs> I mean, well, look, Bill, I know, I know that the Saudis were hot to sign the Abraham Accords two years ago. And I have a sneak, more than a sneaking suspicion that the reason they weren't pursued more assiduously because it would have meant giving Trump some credit for something that happened during his term. And I know that the Iranians are fomenting dissent in Palestine through Hamas to pressure the Jews into doing something so, you know, what would you call it, military, that'll split the Arab world. And I think you can put a fair bit at that, of that at the feet of the Democrats who didn't bring Saudi Arabia into the Abraham Accords when they could have two years ago. And I do think that's because they wouldn't give Trump any credit for what he accomplished with the Abraham Accords. And I do think that's why we're in the position we're in right now. And, you know, Biden also alienated the Saudis the first time that he went to talk to them and pushed them into the arms of China. And even despite that, the Saudis are still lurking in the background, trying to ensure that the Abraham Accords won't fold. And so that's not good. That was a big mistake. We had a chance there to make peace. And the Saudis were behind the Abraham Accords. So, I, so well, yes, I'm, I'm surprised to learn that Biden has started two wars in Ukraine and in Israel, because I was thinking it was Putin and Hamas. That I just... Tell him, I'm, I'm with you. Okay, so we left that little ridiculous applause line in from that woman. She's a New York Times chick in the red, and she's just like, it doesn't matter. Like, she's just an avatar for like the sort of do nothing liberal, blah, 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 blah. Jordan, say, Jordan didn't say that Biden started those wars. He said a, a certain amount of blame is to be on Biden and the Democrats. And then he laid out a rather compelling argument for that, which we all know is true. Do you remember, what was it, 10 days? Might have been eight or, or even maybe a week before uh, October 7th, before those Hamas attacks, when everyone knew, Netanyahu basically said it, we're, we've got the deal with Saudi Arabia. Like it was going to completely change the face of the Middle East. And the Democrats and this administration, and it's Obama, it's not Biden, Biden is just a body. 
They do not want peace in the Middle East, right? They don't want a truly integrated Middle East, and they certainly don't want that if that means Trump is gonna get credit for it, and Trump damn well deserves credit for it. Remember when Trump moved the embassy from Tel Aviv, the, Isra the American embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to their actual capital in Jerusalem, and everyone said, all hell is gonna break loose and it's gonna be World War III, and it was nothing. And then suddenly all these peace deals got signed. Peace in the Middle East used to be something everyone was for, right? Now the woke left is for you know, a genocide and everything else, but okay, let's put that aside for a second. But the point is these people have gone so woke and so caught up in this communist collectivist lunacy that they would gladly erase anything good done by the non-woke. So they would gladly shred the Abraham Accords and they will gladly let terrorists and their, own, and their sympathizers into all of our countries. So now let's dive into uh, what's been going on across Western civilizations uh, this past weekend. And it's, a, and it's a confluence of, I would say, climate, communism, and multiculturalism. And if you stew them up enough, it's, it's pretty freaking toxic. Check this out. This is Midtown New York City, Lexington Avenue, right by Grand Central Station. This is this weekend. And watch these pro-Hamas protesters. And again, do not tell me they are not pro-Hamas because there is nobody out there condemning Hamas and, and nobody would dare condemn Hamas out there. Check out these pro-Hamas protesters tearing down an American flag, climbing up on the flagpole. You can see it. You'll see them put the Palestinian flag there. Oh, and note the police officers watching them do it. What you saw there were about 30 police officers watching a man climb the post, rip down the American flag, replace it with the Palestinian flag. That is illegal. That is a crime. And they let them do it. So either all of those police officers should be fired for not doing their job, or the police chief is telling them to not do their job, in which case he should be fired. And if he's telling them not to do their job because he's getting some message from Mayor Adams or whoever else is on the way up the chain, then they all should be fired. But if you live in New York City, you simply have to know the police will not do their job there. And if they will not stop someone from climbing up on public property and desecrating the flag of the United States, what else won't they do? What else, when, when these crazed lunatics, when they start marching specifically through Jewish communities, which they're doing in other parts of the world right now, they've been doing it in Montreal, they're doing it in Australia, they've been doing it in London, uh, and they start de you know, breaking uh, windows of Jewish stores or whatever it might be, and it won't just be Jewish stores, it'll be, it'll be any place that there is any coexistence or decency. When they start doing that, will the police do anything then? What is it that the police are doing? We live in a society where I suppose these people, you know, somehow the Palestinians are oppressed and that somehow is connected to the oppression of the guy climbing up the pole, so we shouldn't do anything about him. But who else is oppressed? It's the climate people, because they need climate justice. And this is, this is really the video of the day. This is so spectacular. So Greta Thunberg, who is a climate hoe, okay? She, 
She, uh, she's given a speech about climate, that's what she does, but you know, in this intersectional cacophony of insanity, she has now combined this with oppression, and they've combined this with Gaza, and she's a big fan of Hamas, because you know, Hamas loves taking water pipes, chopping up and turning them into rockets, that's very sound for the environment. Anyway, she's giving a speech at a big climate conference, and she starts going on and on about occupied land, and then some guy gets on stage, to basically tell her, lady, we're supposed to be talking about the climate and th th watch them fight and it's just like, have at it. Like this is Mortal Kombat, finish him, go. People on the front lines of the climate crisis have been experiencing the first-hand consequences of it for decades now. And they have been sounding the alarm, but we have not been listening. The people in power have not been listening. I've come here for a climate demonstration, not a political view. Have at it, like let them fight, you know, Godzilla versus King Kong, let them fight. These people, like she's just, she's so profoundly awful. We knew she was profoundly awful this entire time. She's a globalist, she's a communist, whatever you want to call her, but she gets up there. They want to hear about climate change. And by the way, guys, the climate's not coming for you. Everyone settle down, you're gonna be okay. Barack Obama knows it. That's why he has a 30-acre estate on Martha's Vineyard on the water, right there. It's gonna be just fine. Don't you worry about that. Bill Gates, what does he have? A $50 million house right off Seattle, right on the water. Don't worry about them, guys. John Kerry flying private planes all over the earth to make sure that you can't fly planes. And then the guy gets up there. Lady, what are you talking about? What does this have to do with Hamas and Occupy Land? And then they drag him off the stage. You people, this is inter... Love ya, love ya. Anyway, here are some pro-Hamas uh, protests in London, because this is the big Saturday thing they're doing in London now. All right, you get it. It's a lot of river to the sea. It's uh, end the 75 year occupation, which is ironic because they're in London. And of course, if you, we were to end the 75 year occupation, we would have to bring back the British empire. I don't know that any of them want that. I don't know that the average Brit wants it, much less, much less the terrorist sympathizers that are out there doing that. But how long can a society hold something like this? Like I can show you, there were plenty of calls for, uh, they were talking about how the Nazis should finish the job. Like, trust me, we went through 50 videos of like the actual firing of fireworks at police officers and all, all that stuff, but you guys get it. The reason I wanted to show you that one is how long can a society hold this position that on every weekend, let's say, or, every, or twice a week, there will be mass protests calling for a genocide of people halfway across the world, plus a certain amount of your own citizens, using all of the freedoms of your nation so that you can, uh, basically grow, home grow your own society within a society, like how long does that work? If you were, say, a, a Jewish person living in London, would you want one of those people to be your dentist? Would you want one of them to be your Uber driver? Do you see how this might start actually like singeing all of the little pieces that give us connectivity in a society? And again, it's not just about the Jews. If you're just an average British citizen who is proud of their country, who knows what their history was, right? So why about we show you, I, I love doing these little videos. This is, this is London about 90 years ago. I think it's about 88 years ago, 1931. 
London in 1931. Tell me, does this seem better or worse than where London's at right now? really like showing those videos. Look, that's 1931 London. Things were not that spectacular, right? This is post-World War I, post the Great Depression. They're about to enter World War II. It's not like those people had a ton of money. There was disease, all sorts of problems. But notice everyone was kind of dressed right. There was some sort of cultural cohesion on the streets. Uh, by the way, those people had way less money than the average person, way less economic wealth and value than the average person that has now been imported into London that is screaming about how evil London is or how evil Great Britain is and how horrible Israel is and everything else. So look what we gave up. And we did this across the West. It, it is not just Britain that did this. We did this across the West. But occasionally we're seeing some glimmers. And, and I do want to make a, a point because look, one of the problems with the news for everybody, and I would include, my, include myself in this, is that we can always show you bad things, right? I always, on this show, I try to always twist things into a positive fashion at the end. Uh, but you know, the, the main issue is that good, decent people don't really get involved, right? And I think it was Hannah Arendt, who is it, that said, uh, all evil needs to flourish, in essence, is good people to be silent. But I, but I don't blame good people. The average person who just wants to live their life and take their kid to a soccer game or whatever else. And then there's this like crazed, and we have this now, this intersectional thing of like the genuine like Islamist Hamas supporters, the intersectional weirdos, the gender queer people, the purple hair, like they're all out there. They don't have much going on for them. So they're just out there and you have your clone soldiers and everything else. But the average, say, London, citizen of London, the average person in New York City is not for these protests, right? But the average person doesn't know what to do in the face of this, right? The average person doesn't want to get involved because you just kind of want to wait it out. Now, unfortunately, I don't, I don't think that's a winning strategy overall, but, but I don't want to give the illusion that these are most people. They are not most people, but they are, but they are an increasing number of minority people who would gladly oppress the majority, and that is a huge problem because the majority of Americans, and believe it or not, the majority of the Brits, and certainly the French, we're gonna show you in just a second, are good, decent, freedom-loving people. They just don't know what to do in the face of this movement, and, and you sorta of can't blame them, so we have to keep unpacking that. I think that's the best thing that we can do. But now I wanna show you something actually kind of inspiring because every now and again, a bunch of good people do stand up. So this is from Paris. Uh, this is France over the weekend. There were nationalists, there were politicians, citizens, all marching against anti-Semitism. So marching against Hamas, marching against most of the things that we see the marches for right now. Uh, and by the way, uh, virtually every political party in France was there, except their far left party didn't make it out to this. Uh, you will find this one interesting because instead of tearing down French flags, well, take a look for yourself. How bizarre. 
French flags flying, flying in France? Nobody desecrating a monument or trying to burn anything down or calling for genocide or anything? Just French people standing up for other French people and standing up for their values? How could I show you another video of such a thing? Well, actually in Poland, it was uh, their annual pro-nationalism march, and you might think that sounds racist, although it just means that Polish people like Poland and they'd like to keep it kind of Polish. So here's a bunch of Polish people celebrating Poland. Uh, you are gonna see some smoke. It's not burning down of things. It was just celebratory smoke, so enjoy. speak Polish, but I think what they were chanting there loosely translates into, we're Polish, we like Poland. Fuck it. I'm pretty sure that's pretty much what they were chanting there. Notice, no violence. They've closed their borders. They're, they're saying, hey, this is our country. We like it. It's pretty good. Could we keep it? Because you know what happens? You know what happens when you let the wokesters in? You know what happens when you let the collectivists and the communists and the socialists in? They start wrecking everything, which is why socialism in every country that it has ever been tried has not only wrecked economies and destroyed countries, but killed millions and millions of people everywhere this experiment has ever taken root, which is why the socialists of today often say, well, real socialism has never really happened because those were just failed experiments. The real social, everyone will be equal. It's the Kamala Harris, we'll all be equal at the end. It's just so freaking lovely. Well, you know what, hap what happened in Spain? Uh, Spain had uh, some socialists come in and start taking over their government, and the good people have just about had it. So here is an anti-socialist protest in Spain, and you'll also notice no burning down, no calls for genocide or murder, just people standing up for their country. So the way I wanna bring this Monday show home, I think we've laid out something here. Like we can either, all of us, whatever country we're in, be on the side of tearing everything down, importing people who would gladly behead us, destroy all of our rights, all of those things, and, and just, or you know, kind of just bury our heads in the sand as that kind of moves on all of us. Or we could start thinking, boy, are there places that are, that are doing this a little bit better? Maybe, maybe Poland's doing a little bit better. Maybe Hungary's doing a little bit better. Uh, maybe the, the Spanish are realizing, oh, there's a problem here because we've let the socialists in, so now good people are standing up. And you really need only look at the behavior of the protesters, right? Do you really think that the guys up there climbing on that pole, tearing the American flag, like think how insane that is. And the police just watch them do it in New York City. Like who do you think the good guys are? You, you don't have to think that hard. Right? There are people who are celebrating the murder of babies, the, the rape of women, and the, and the kidnapping of Holocaust survivors. And then that, for the last month, has unleashed people to be celebrating Hitler all over the, all over the globe. And then there's a couple other people, whether they're the ones just we just showed you in Paris or elsewhere, 
who are just like, oh, Western civilization, pretty good. Um, I'm a decent person and I have a job and a family. Not exactly sure how to defend this. I wish we had better politicians and better mechanisms to save our countries and our societies. And that's what we all gotta figure out. We gotta figure it out. I don't have a perfect answer for it, but we gotta figure it out. But there are two competing visions right now. One is be a victim forever. And when you're a victim, you will do untold things to the person you think is your oppressor. Or you can be a victor. You can say, you know what, I'm in this society, this America, this France, this Britain, and it's a little whatever, it's not always perfect, but I can figure out ways to survive on the margin. And not just survive, over time I can figure out ways to thrive. That, that's the dream of being a free human being. You could be part of it. Or you can just be a pandering buffoon. So now I bring you home with this. Justin Trudeau, this is just in the last couple days, he, who is a pandering buffoon, he is a globalist, and he, this guy is just terrible. So of all the things going on in the world right now, you know what he's doing? He's apologizing to the LGBTQ LMNOP mob. Take a look at this, this is just wild. We can and must do better. For the oppression of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and two-spirit communities, two -spirit. we apologize. On behalf of the government, parliament, and the people of Canada, we were wrong, we are sorry, and we will never let this happen again. Merci, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. What did that gay guy do to the lesbians? Why did he do that to the lesbians? What did he do to the two spirits? Do you think how insane, do you realize how insane this all is? Like it sounds like he's apologizing for slaughtering two spirit people. Which if you slaughter a two spirit person, how many bodies does that count as? The body count on that, you're gonna double that thing. What is, it makes no sense. Gay, gays have been perfectly fine in Canada. Get me, who's a famous gay Canadian? Just besides Justin Trudeau, <laughs> I, I handed you that one. I want, a, I want a gay male Canadian and a lesbian from Canada right now. Give me gay male in Canada. Who? Richard Fung. Richard Fun? Fung. Fung? I don't know who that is. Sharp Doppler. Sharp Doppler? John Baldry. John, okay, I don't know who any of these gay... Elliot Page. Oh, Elliot Page. Who you used to know as Ellen Page. Uh, I guess it's Canadian. That's very exciting. Okay, so, Shreya? No, right, I'm getting a whole list of Canadians we've never heard. What about a Canadian lesbian? Do they have, I feel like they would definitely have a lot. I feel like in Western Canada, it's a little gruffer out there. Ellen Page. Ellen Page. Wait, but was she a lesbian before she became yes. a man? There's a sentence and for now, it. Yeah. She's a famous gay Canadian. Oh, Ellen Page did both. So she was a lesbian when she was a chick, and now she's a gay dude? Yes. Like, Get a grip, lady, dude. Anywho, uh, you see the point. We are governed by people who focus on all of the wrong things while the barbarians are at the gate. By the way, there were several shootings at a Montreal temple this past weekend. There have been people calling for a second Holocaust on the streets of Canada in various different spots. But he's mostly concerned uh, with apologizing to the two-spirit people. So what has happened here? How did we lose the messaging? How did we lose the story? Well, I think there's actually a pretty clear reason for it. And uh, as you guys know, I was at the ARC conference, Jordan Peterson's Alliance for Responsible Citizenship conference in London last week, and I, or the week before, and I was interviewed about what 
the problem is right now, why we can't do this properly. Why can't we explain ourselves? Uh, here's just a, a little bite. The left has a great story. It's not a true story, but it's a great story. You're oppressed, they're the oppressors, let's burn the thing down. You can do it easily, you can do it concisely and everything else. Again, it's not true, but it's clear. A better story is you need to be empowered. You need to be empowered to live your life as you see fit. And if you can do that, if we can create the conditions so that you could find the work that you want to find, build the family that you want to build, live in a community that is with like-minded people that can thrive and, and not just survive, but thrive. That's a story. You guys got it. And that's what by and large the West has done. And yet for some reason we are now, if it's Kamala Harris wanting to usher in equity, if it's Justin Trudeau, we're apologizing to two-spirit people. And meanwhile, the barbarians are at the gate. And actually, they're in the gate already. And as Douglas Murray often says, they will be at the gate and we will be debating what gender pronouns to call them. This is a problem. Uh, while that clip was being played, I have been informed that the kids in the hall, remember the kids in the hall, they had an HBO show, I think in like late 80s, early 90s, uh, comedy troupe. Uh, they were all gay. Scott Thompson was the big star and they are Canadian. So unless the kids in the hall have been exterminated, I don't think there's anything that Justin Trudeau has to apologize for. The very odd ending to a show. Uh, guys, post-game show coming up in just a sec, rubenreport.locals.com. People of the internet will be live at 1 p.m. Uh, and a couple new uh, interviews came up from the ARC conference, because I told you we shot so many, so we're just releasing things as they come. Uh, Constantine Kissin, Andy No, and Brett Weinstein are all up across platforms. Do we have my meme Monday for today? Oh, it is Meme Monday, though, on the Ruben Report uh, Locals community, so you can check out what I posted up there. We leave you with Kamala again, and I'll see everybody at the post game in a sec. All right, ciao. I'm Kamala Harris. <laughs> and when life hands you lemons, you have to expand the Supreme Court. <laughs> but for real, though, for real, though, I hate it. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.